and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of The Lord of the Rings. My name is Anna. And my name is Ellen. And in today's episode, we are discussing book four, chapter four of Herbs and Stewed Rabbit, exploring patience in community. So one of my favorite lines from this chapter is when Sam is really craving something hot out of the pot. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if you have a favorite dish or a meal that when you start craving, nothing else will satisfy and you have to go get that food. Oof. I would say that anytime I'm craving something, there are very few substitutes mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that satiate that need. In particular, I'm trying to think of maybe perhaps what I craved last. Usually something like kind of special for like a holiday meal would be like mashed potatoes. Every once in a while, I just desperately want in particular garlic mashed potatoes Mm, mm -hmm. and i will seek out any place where i can either make or eat garlic mashed potatoes and then my world makes sense again asap yes it is a as soon as potatoes are available that's what she needs that's so on theme for this chapter i'm really pleased that that was your your craving dish thank you Do you have a favorite dish or a dish you often crave? I will crave chicken korma and garlic naan Mm. very specifically. Mm -hmm. And then on the sweet side, I will crave root beer floats. Mm. And I don't know why root beer floats, but that is something that's sometimes when it's really hot outside and I think about it. Mm -hmm. Like, ooh, you know what I want? A nice root beer float. Yes, I have on the on the sweeter side of things often a chocolate shake craving mm, mm-hmm. or like a really solid chocolate brownie that is dense and also nice and fudgy. Fudgy with um like that little crackle top. There's just something about that that makes sense in my brain and mm-hmm. nothing comes close to that. If I try and just like make something on my own or just have like a bite of chocolate somewhere, no no. It will not it will not satisfy. The crackle top is really key. It's super key, yes. Well, now that we're thoroughly hungry, mm-hmm. I am impatient <laughs> to hear what story you've brought for us today. Please take it away. Well, I can't wait for your interjections with this story because oh, it is man. one that we have told many a time, much to my chagrin. But it is the story of me learning to drive Mildred. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Which, for the listener, (laughs) is a 1995 Ford Escort maroon color and a manual transmission. And that's where our story begins. She's a beaut. She is something. So... We bought the car in the summer after my senior year of high school. I had gotten a couple of jobs in town, and they required that I have my own wheels to get to and from. So dad bought this car. It was in really good condition, but the caveat was I had learned to drive on an automatic vehicle and had never driven manual. And so this was going to be a learning curve for me, and oh, how I underestimated what the learning curve would be. But I was very motivated. It's cool to have your own 
set of transportation, your own set of wheels to get from place to place. I was pretty jazzed about that. A nice daily driver for your use. To apply our learning from earlier. That's right. And our dad was the one who taught me almost exclusively. So it felt like it took me months to learn. And that often involved going to a nearby parking lot to our home, the same parking lot where I had learned to drive just generally, and stopping and starting mostly. I could shift in once we were in gear to other gears. It was that from like a dead stop to rolling, could not figure that out. The story is really not about my patience at all because I was deeply impatient with myself to learn this, but was in fact about dad's patience with me because I don't know how many times we went to that parking lot. It was almost exclusively a struggle. He drove stick as most of his life or most of his vehicles. And so he, very unhelpfully to my learner brain, was like, you'll just feel where the clutch engages or disengages. And then you'll know to shift at around that time and to then press the, press the gas pedal and the car will move. And as he's explaining this to me, I'm like, I have absolutely no idea where this clutch disengages. I don't know what I'm doing. What does it feel like? I don't know. <laughs> and I don't know how many times he said that phrase to me, but he was so patient with the fact that I could not figure this out. I remember one time we were in the parking lot and I was having a meltdown because he had said to me, you'll just feel it. And I was like, I don't know where, what's happening. And then I was frustrated. So I started to cry. And as I'm sitting there in the parking lot, weeping over my inability to learn this, we get approached by someone who like lives in the neighborhood, is on a walk, (laughs) comes up to the side of the car, starts talking to dad. Dad keeps it cool and collected, you know, oh, hey, how's it going? Yep, we're just out here driving. I'm trying to pull it together by looking through the other window. Um, and then like sent him on his walk and dad just turned to me and was like, okay, are we ready to try again? (laughs) And listener, I really was not ready to try again, but like, had he not been so patient and so encouraging and sometimes pushy about me figuring this out because I needed to get myself to my job, I would absolutely not have learned to drive this car. The moral of the story is, and sort of the spoiler of the story is, I did actually learn how to drive this vehicle, but poorly for like the first, I don't know, month and a half that I drove this vehicle at least. I squealed the tires just about every time that I would go from a stop to a start. So in my 18-year-old brain, the solution was to stop as little as possible. So my route to work involved the least amount of stoplights possible, the least amount of actual stop signs possible, many back roads. So it was a little bit of a longer commute, but figured it out eventually. And on another podcast and another day, we could go more in depth to all of the moments where I stalled the car in key intersections with police intervention in places where I should not have stalled it at all. But I did eventually learn to drive this vehicle, and it was because Dad put forth such a patient effort in assisting me with this learning process. So, Dad, if you're listening, thanks for being super patient. (laughs) What a great story of patience, and I love that it has a happy ending where everybody learns how to drive the car, the car makes it through in one piece, and you ride off into the sunset one day in your very own 
automatic vehicle. <laughs> right. Right. And I will say since then, I have enjoyed driving uh, a manual transmission, but the the process to get there was slow and non-linear for sure. <laughs> it, it's a life skill, you know, now you can you can rent any vehicle. That's what dad would say. That was usually his incentive is like, you could rent any vehicle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Next time you're in Europe. You can rent a manual. You can rent a manual. I can drive all of the cool vintage American muscle cars, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just exciting stuff. So as an 18-year-old who had no interest in cars at all, not uh, <laughs> n- not a big driver, pun intended for me, but it was an option that was going to be mm-hmm. available as dad had communicated. Mm-hmm. I think he told me the same thing, and that's why mm-hmm. I said it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was part. Of, that was part of the learning process. Was yes. like, here's this bigger thing that you can be a part of now. <laughs> yeah, so practical. Exactly. I I love that car, and I love that you have these memories of learning learning how to drive it with dad. I think there's something there, and maybe more patience is available the deeper the relationship. Mm. Like if this was somebody who was uh, a driving instructor. Perhaps their patience, maybe it would have, maybe it's individual, but I wonder if perhaps their patience might have run out a little bit quicker than from your, your own father. Oh, uh, assuredly it would have, because I also brought dad, who is one of the most patient people I've ever met, to the end of his rope as well with this car. <laughs> so that's my claim to fame with this mm-hmm. vehicle. But it was... It, it might have been that with a different instructor, I might have learned more quickly for fear that they would bail on the lessons because they were not as patient as dad was. We'll never know. And I did learn to learn. I did learn to drive the vehicle. So mm-hmm. it all worked out, I guess. It did. It worked out in the end. I'm wondering if we could shift. Mm-hmm into the events of the chapter so you can lay the groundwork for us yes and i am so excited to talk about this chapter Mm -hmm. because we meet one of my favorite characters from the book hot take faramir love faramir so this this chapter begins with Gollum, sam and frodo making it to ithilien which is this place that's in it's in the the grasp of the dark lord it's mordor adjacent but it's still a a very beautiful place and there is some deep magic running in there that's preventing it from decaying as quickly as the rest of the the lands that they've traveled through so they come to this beautiful forest and they decide to rest have some water and while frodo is sleeping Sam asks Gollum to go catch some rabbits, which Gollum does, and Sam uses them to make a stew, which him and Frodo share. Gollum, of course, does not want any part of a cooked meat. Unfortunately, in his joy in eating the stew, Sam forgets to put out the fire, and it catches on a, onto a fern and starts creating some smoke. This smoke... Instead of attracting an orc, which was Sam's concern, since they are in the, the land of the enemy, it attracts the rangers of Athelion. And this is where we meet Faramir. 
And I love Faramir. I feel like he's very much a Robin Hood character, especially as we're describing what they're all wearing here with their green masks and their green hoods and their brown raiment as they crawl through the grass and lie in wait to pounce on people on the, on the road. And so Faramir talks to Frodo and asks uh, a little bit about what he's up to, why he's there, and asks him about Boromir. So after this very brief interaction, Faramir and his merry men lie in wait for the Southerns, who is this group of men coming through to Mordor. And as they pounce on them, a battle ensues. This is when Sam gets to see an Oliphant, which is very exciting for him. And then after the battle, which Faramir wins, Sam goes to sleep. And he is either promised and or threatened with having to go with Captain Faramir on the morrow instead of being allowed to continue forward him and Frodo as originally planned. That's the chapter. This chapter is so good. I had not remembered sort of the sequence of events that happened particularly in this chapter. Mm -hmm. And I was so thrilled to get just like a little skosh of action from our friends Faramir and company. Mm -hmm. And that it kind of moved the pace of the chapter up a little bit, moving from that sort of waiting stage into that, oh, we're encountering new people stage. And there was a lot less doom and gloom from the landscape so all in all really enjoyed this chapter yeah there was that like full page of all of the different plants yes that they found (laughs) i'm like are these real are these made up plants i don't know i know some of them i felt like i recognized and some of them i was Mm -hmm. not prepared to internet search so right yeah but uh no this this chapter was was a joy and i can't wait for the next chapter because we get more faramir and i get to talk about more of my thesis on why he is so much better in the book than he is in the movie Mm -hmm. get ready i'll bring a powerpoint slide uh that will be great for our Mm -hmm. listeners (laughs) yeah everyone loves a visual joke on in an audio medium i am thrilled that's right So in this glorious chapter, we are looking for moments of patience. Do you have some examples that you found that you'd like to bring to the listeners and myself? Right. So as I was thinking about patience, it's really like waiting or delay plus a lack of stress, right? So there's there's waiting and then patience is like to be okay with the amount of time it takes to wait. So we see some moments where that's definitely happening in this chapter and some times where it is not happening at all. The first example that I saw is right on the first page or second page of the chapter in my book. So on page 287, quote, They lay deep in the heather and counted out the slow hours in which there seemed little change for they were still under the shadows of the Ethel Dueth, and the sun was veiled. Frodo slept at times, deeply and peacefully, either trusting Gollum or too tired to trouble about him. So, though it says the day passes uneasily, they are a bit more patient in their pace and in their plans in this moment than they have been leading up until now. And I think that's pretty directly, as it says in the book, because the land that they are in is so much more pleasant 
Mm-hmm. It's just like a better place to wait and be patient. I'm imagining the temperature is a little bit cooler with all the grass and the trees. And it's just a better place to sit and hang around where you're in the shelter of a forest instead of some barren rock with the great eye bearing down on you. Right. And it seems to have a little bit of a callback maybe to the Shire as well for Sam, at least, that he can recognize some of the plants that are there. It may feel more homelike. So you're definitely more inclined to wait there as well. Little herb master. Yeah. Do you say herb or herb? I'm so glad you've asked me this because my partner and I argue about this kind of regularly. (laughs) So I say herb Mm. and he says herb. Mm. Okay. So we are a we are a mixed household in that regard. <sighs> wow. I don't know how you guys overcome such an obstacle, but I'm really proud of you. Thank you so much for recognizing our struggles. Mm-hmm. I think I say both, and it depends sort of like with a or an on what word comes before it. Mm. Interesting. Like if it's easier, I find it hard to say of herbs but i think it's much easier to say of herbs but if it's starting the sentence i'll say herb oh interesting yeah that's curious i like that you're making your own language rules yeah i am i am talking in that manner (laughs) in that regard okay what other examples do you have for us now that i've taken us down down a path of linguistics On page 294, we have Sam is in the process of making his sort of meager stew, right, to sustain him and Frodo. So, quote, For a while, Sam sat musing and tending the fire till the water boiled. The daylight grew and the air became warm. The dew faded off turf and leaf. So he's just kind of pleasantly passing the day to the extent he possibly can on this very dangerous journey, making a stew. I love that for him. It's his great, it seems to be his greatest joy is cooking and gardening. And that for a hobbit, most folks can, most hobbits can cook, but Mm -hmm. Sam is like head and shoulders above the even average hobbit in his cooking skills. I like that little insight to his character. Yeah, he's got skills. Mm -hmm. Rope tying skills, herbal skills, cooking skills. He's full of skills. Yeah, he he is outdoorsy. I would I would have him on my backpacking team. Except for when he lights accidental fires. <laughs> yeah. And alerts people to his presence. I thought of you in that moment. I was like, "Oh, Sam, this is such a rookie move." <laughs> I know. Poor fire safety. You have to monitor the the blaze until it's completely out. Right. This is how wildfires start, friend. Mhm. And then we have this interaction with Frodo and Sam meeting Faramir for the first time, and he's particularly not patient with these two. So he says, quote, Then make haste to declare yourselves and your errand, said Faramir. We have a work to do, and this is no time or place for riddling or parlaying. Come. Faramir has a lot of demands about how quickly you need to flash them your business card. Yeah, he's like, I'm out here to lie in wait and start a battle. I don't have time to figure out who you are. Right. Hurry up. (laughs) Right. I also love, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more in next chapter as well, the way that Faramir's language is written, I think really 
gives credence to him as a leader, but also mm-hmm. can play a little silly in that he has this very, like, stilted way of talking. Yes. <laughs> Where he's like, come now. And I imagine this very big, booming voice, um, which compared to Sam's interactions with Gollum in particular, is just such a funny juxtaposition to me. Which Frodo says reminds him of Boromir, like, somehow this is how all of the men of Gondor speak. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember Boromir talking like that. Yeah, I don't remember that either. Okay, well, Frodo, you're remembering wrong. Maybe it's the <laughs> tenor. Maybe they have, like, the same accent, and that's what he's trying to say. It's possible. So, and then the really, the last example that I saw of patience that stuck out to me is the patience, as you've noted, the men of Athelion, the rangers, really working on their stealth skills, slowly creeping their way about the hills, sort of being patient, I'm sure, to interact with any travelers, even though they say there are no travelers through the lands, and sort of biding their time in that regard. So it wasn't a particular moment, but there is a bit of a description of that on page 300 where sam is monitoring all of this and the book says quote with his keen hobbit eyes he saw that many more men were about he could see them stealing up the slopes singly or in long files keeping always to the shade of grove or thicket or crawling hardly visible so it really seems that they're in major stealth mode and have probably been pretty patient in choosing when and how they interact with others And what they're wearing so that they can blend in. That's right. More outfit chat. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right. They said they're wearing wearing full green masks where only your eyes can be seen. Mm -hmm. Because they they talk about both like the guards kind of moving their masks when they're getting hot. And also that for a while you could only see Faramir's gray eyes. Mm -hmm. And I want to know, is it like... Like a cloth mask would look where it's just covering the nose and the mouth and then there's like something pulled down over the forehead. Or Mm -hmm. is it like a full face mask with like Mm -hmm. slits for the nose, slits for the eyes that's like wooden and that you have like on your face or something. I have to imagine something more similar to that first description you gave just from a pragmatic standpoint it would seem too cumbersome to like be one to be stealthing about in a wood mask but also like i feel like that would keep you from having good peripheral vision because you have that density of wood that you wouldn't with a fabric and those wouldn't feel as easily like put on and well or even if it's like like a thicker leather or something that's just in the shape of a face. I feel like tying something over your head like that would not be as easy as pulling pulling up a mask over your nose. Mm-hmm. Or like you said, a, a full ski mask almost. But to have, if that's kind of like a, a thinner fabric, even still that's easier to, to take on and take off than mm-hmm. something that would involve like a neat little bow in the back here. Yeah, head. in the back. Like, oh no, it's come loose. My identity. Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> right, exactly right. Oh, look at my scar. That was on point. Thank you. Great. I just wanted to quickly dive into exactly what this band of merry men is wearing. Mm. The fashion of Middle Earth just doesn't get enough airtime on this pod. Thank you for bringing those examples. I feel like we got to dive into the chapter a bit deeper. 
And honestly, as I was reading it, I thought, man, I have no idea what examples Anna's going to bring <laughs> with this theme. So I'm, I'm impressed that you managed to find so many to, to bring to today's discussion. Thank you so much. Shall we transition to talking with Tolkien? Yes, let's. I will start. I have two quotes that I would like to bring mm-hmm. for today's Talking with Tolkien. One's a bummer and one is not. So we're going to start with the sad one. Okay. And this is on page 301. Mm-hmm. And this is a quote from Sam in his mind as he is looking at someone from this battle who, who's on the other side and has died. Quote, He wondered what the man's name was and where he came from, and if he was really evil of heart or what lies or threats had led him on the long march from his home, and if he would not really rather have stayed there in peace. And I loved this quote. I feel like Sam is so empathetic. And you don't really see this kind of empathy or doubt about which team we should be fighting for from any of the other characters. Mm -hmm. And I just love that Sam has this true moment of humanity and wants to know this person who they're fighting against, is he really the enemy or would he have rather just stayed at home like I think Sam is feeling too? Absolutely. I also had highlighted that quote, so I'm glad that you brought that to our attention Great. because I, I felt similarly about it. And so my second talking with Tolkien is also a Sam because he's a star and we should talk about him all the time. Mm-hmm. So this is as Frodo and Sam are walking into, into the forest and um, they're walking, they're brushing their way through bush and herb Sweet odors rise around them. And then the quote that I really liked is, And suddenly Sam laughed, for heart's ease, not for jest. Mm -hmm. And I love this phrase, for heart's ease, because it's, it's so much more descriptive than for relief, which I think is what we're saying he's laughing from. But it's just, it's just a little bit different. It's like the weight off your shoulder a beautiful surrounding and heart's ease and Sam just lets out a laugh and I love Mm -hmm. that it sounds nice I mean Mm -hmm. it it, I think it is a little bit later noted that he kind of remembers the the peril of the journey but just to have Mm -hmm. that little moment of reprieve is so important to sustain him probably in the same way that the stewed rabbit and a little rest Mm -hmm. offer their their physical exhaustion so too does this like beautiful landscape offer a little reprieve for their their mental well-being those are good ones what quotes did you bring so i had i had two in addition to the one that you had already covered one is on page 294 and as you can imagine it's a very famous quote from this chapter, which is Gollum saying to Sam, what's taters, precious? Eh, what's taters? And Sam responds, potatoes, said Sam. <laughs> the, the gaffer's delight and rare good ballast for an empty belly. I just, 
I love this. It made me think of the Potatoes remix. Boil a mash them, stick them in a stew. Oh, which I listened to in preparation for today's uh, <laughs> recording, which we will link on our Twitter feed. It's just so good. I was so thrilled to come across that in the in the reading. I'm glad you highlighted that. I had forgotten that that was in this chapter, and what a shame on my part. We need we need to highlight this. Ah, oh, it's so good. Um, and then the other is kind of what I said earlier about how Faramir has this kind of old Englishy way of speaking. It's a little stilted compared to the informality of Gollum and Sam and Frodo. And I thought one quote notably stood out for that. It's Faramir and Frodo talking about kind of what's going on, why Faramir needs their identities like so quickly. And Faramir says to Frodo, you're in danger, right? Like, you can't have gone very far as you are now because there's too much going on. So the quote is, quote, There will be hard hand strokes nigh at hand ere the day is full. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I loved it so much. It's like, what are you saying? <laughs> right. Like, okay, there's going to be a fight later. Got it. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're, we're going to rumble. Buckle up. <laughs> There are there is some evil guy snapping happening in the distance. Mm-hmm. We're gonna rumble later, uh, and he said it funnily, and I liked it. Yeah, I think it's it's a little bit pointing to how separate Gondor has been from the rest of the men in Middle Earth. Right, and we'll we'll get way more into that later. But mm-hmm. they're like in a little island down there, and it's like their language has not evolved. Mm-hmm. along with everybody else's. It also feels like a status signifier to me that because they just seem to really hold to this idea of like they are royaler <laughs> than mm. all the other royalty in all these other lands and with all these other peoples and that their language seems to also, as he interacts with other people, right, seems to reflect on that status of like I hold myself in pretty high regard and that's why I show up the way that I do. So I'm definitely interested in our deep dive next chapter. Yes, I am ready to come to Faramir's defense for the (laughs) remainder of the books. I am just thrilled. (laughs) Well, so now that we have gone through the examples of today's theme and we've each gotten to share our talking with Tolkien, all that's left is for you to bring us an action item. What do you have for us today that will help strengthen our communities? It's pretty simple this week. It's just to take a breath in a moment where you're feeling strained or you're feeling impatient. Take a breath. Remember everything is temporary and to be patient. I love that. (laughs) I could do more of it. I'm really bad (laughs) at it. (laughs) Yeah. So I thought I would I thought I would bring that to our attention because I need to practice it for sure. My yoga instructor at like the end of each class says, I hope that we've helped to fill up your spiritual bank that you can draw upon in moments of stress. And he'll say different things of like, next time you're sitting in traffic or your subway doesn't come, you know, you can draw upon the spiritual bank, which you've filled up. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I've always loved that visual. And this is reminding me of that. Of like, remember that there is inner strength and rest that you can find and you can draw upon in moments when you need a breath. Right. 
exactly right. And like, I think about, you know, how many times like the world calls us to be faster or be stronger or to do more. And sometimes that means we move around our our worlds and our communities on autopilot. I think a breath really interrupts that tendency, at least for me, and mm-hmm. reminds me to go, okay, what are we doing here? What's the ultimate goal? And and why am I mad now um, <laughs> about this when it's really not that important because it's going to last for 15 seconds? Let's move mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for, for this action item and for another excellent discussion. You are most welcome. Today's podcast was brought to you by Potatoes. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dom. If you have any thoughts on today's episode or a homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in fellowship. Oh my god! And you can take us away. (laughs) This is my NPR voice. It has the right breath in it. And they do the cadence in a very particular way. Really engages you as a listener. It does. What is she going to say next? Then I just scream into the microphone. Hello! I feel strongly that a cloak is a much nicer option in these spaces than it would seem practical in just the regular world, and so I'm very envious that a cloak here is much more tactical than it would Mm, be like, mm -hmm. say, uh, for me to go to the grocery store. I wouldn't tell you to not wear a cloak. No, I mean, it's still still manageable, it's just much tougher to blend into your surroundings. Mm.